You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Belly up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name is Chris. His name is Ed. This is Sacks of the Basement. 30 minutes of Sacks for fans, by fans. Preparing for so many things coming up here very shortly. Everything except for the start of the Major League Baseball season, but we're still going to be at the parade. Cork and Carey in Beverly, 106th and Western. Sacks on 35th is going to be out there. We're going to be partying. Parade day, Southside Irish Parade back after a several year hiatus. And uh, we're going to have all kinds of stuff to give away. I'm in the process right now of sorting out which promotional items we're going to have. I just had a conversation today with my my company that does all the stuff, all the cool stuff that we give away at things, and um, they're developing some things specific for the parade, and I'm going to have the order in here in the next couple of days, and that way it'll all be there in time for the parade. So make sure if you're going to the Southside Irish Parade, you stop over in at Cork and Kerry, and hopefully by then we'll have baseball, right? I mean, the, the meeting between MLBPA and Major League Baseball was encouraging to me on Monday because of the amount of time they stayed in the building with each other, Ed. Yeah, it it can't be understated just exactly how much excitement baseball fans got out of news that a bunch of people sat in a room together for more than 15 minutes. (laughs) I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I I, I mean, that's, that's what passes for baseball fandom these days is, oh my God. It's been the length of a Socks in the Basement episode that they've sat there and talked. It was a lot of Socks ah! in the Basement episodes. There yeah, were, there they, were several. Actually, they, they could have caught up on the last eight or nine, right? Yeah, yeah. They could have gone back and listened to some good ones. They could have heard Jake Berger on the show and Liam Hendricks and David Sampson. They could have gotten them all in, right? I mean, they could have had James oh, yeah. Fox in 100%. here breaking down all the international signings. Like, if you missed any of them, you could spend the same amount of time as was spent in the negotiations and catch up on all of that because they were in there for several hours. And that's awesome. And that's a good thing. And that makes me very excited. And I think people are surprised they they can't hammer out a deal in one day. No, but I know where they're at now. See, I, I, I get where they're at. I understand where they're at in negotiations at this point. This is a good thing because now there's a little bit of urgency. And that's what the owners always wanted. They wanted urgency. They wanted it up against the start of the season because they knew that it would make the players more motivated to get to the end game as much as it would probably push along some of the owners. I mean, think about it. If like eight owners don't agree, it doesn't matter what the rest of them want, right? So if there's something in there that takes these small market teams that like to play with their dollars like Tampa Bay and Oakland and Pittsburgh, I mean, rattle off eight teams that are similar to those teams in how they operate and their budgets and they don't like something, it doesn't matter. If the majority of owners want it, David Sampson explained that to us when we talked to him a couple months ago on this show, former uh, VP and uh, GM and, and team president. Like he, he explained all that stuff to us that it only takes a certain amount of owners. So it's really like owners versus owners versus players right now. But with a, a deadline to the season starting, everybody's motivated to work together. And that's a good thing. Well, and, and you, you wouldn't necessarily always get that kind of motivation in some of these things, right? Because it's it's the players. I think the players wanted wanted to play this whole time. They've been they've been locked out, and and they've made a good point now of trying to win the media war by pointing out things like the delay to the start of spring training 
wasn't necessary. It's purely an owner's decision. I think what, what's not talked about quite as much is the owner-on-owner -owner violence that's going on and that's kind of undercutting some of this stuff because you really do, you know, we know that there are haves and have-nots amongst MLB ownership, but I think this is where it's really more pronounced is when you have something where, you know, you have the players, for example, asking for that arbitration, pre-arbitration pool money, you know, they're sitting there going, look, $100 million shouldn't be nothing for the amount of players that are, are employed by the MLB and about the amount of players that this, this would affect. But I think what you don't get as much of is someone sitting there and, and trying to explain this to the owner of the Pirates or trying to explain this to the owner of the Orioles or, or these teams that just never, ever spend anymore that, yeah, you, you got to participate too. And them sitting there going, no, no, right. no, 10 million, right, 10 million. Exactly. That's all. I, I'll give you... Look, I got some gift cards that I got for Christmas. I'll throw those in. <laughs> like, can we give them all like a free hot dog before the game? I think we can swing that over here in Pittsburgh. Like these are, they, they have to get everybody to understand that the time is now to come to some sort of an agreement. And some of the owners kind of have to explain to the other owners like, hey, cheapy, uh, you got to at least come up a little bit here so that we can get this thing done. This episode and every episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. They have an installer job fair going on this Saturday, the 26th of February, 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. in Evergreen Park. Stop in, find out what they do, why they do it, and the services they provide. It might be time for you to make a job change, a career change, and go to an award-winning family business that is growing with excellent benefit packages available. There is no sign-up necessary for this. Just bring a valid driver's license on the 26th in the Evergreen Park to Family Waterproofing Solutions. Get the address, get the details, learn more at FamilyDry.com. So I'm trying to draw back a little bit on my experience as a union negotiator. As president of the 911 dispatchers, we were called telecommunicators, which I always thought was, it made you think, it made, it made it seem as though I was dispatching police and fire and giving CPR and handling intense calls all throughout Cook County. And calling me about my extended warranty on my car that's about to expire, right? Right. Yeah. The name telecommunicator, I always hated it. Like, call me something cooler than that. You know, telecommunicator. But that's that's what I was. Call me the vital nerve of first responders in the entire <laughs> county, you jackasses. Right. So I was for a while the president of MAP Chapter 261. That's the Metropolitan Alliance of Police, I think is how MAP, what that stands for. I don't remember. It was a while ago. But sure. I did that. I did that for several years and a couple of contracts and the big arbitration hearing and a few other things. And I would have to negotiate with Cook County. And I remember there was a point when we were dealing with one of our contracts where it had come down from on high on the county side that they wanted the deal done. And what they did is they had not only their own people that worked for the county that would be in the negotiating room, but they paid a private law firm to come in and basically bill the county. And I'm sure that like they probably had a 15 minute like meeting and probably billed for an entire day. I mean, it, it, it's county government. OK, but like you get this lawyer coming from this private law firm and, you know, he'd be like, this is what we want. And we'd be like, this is what we want. And then you'd walk out 15 minutes later, kind of like how this has been going. Right. You'd, you'd, you'd get together. I would take the day off from work. I would be excused with pay for my job as a 911 dispatcher. So I could be there for the entire day just to go in and negotiate. I'd show up. We would say what we wanted. They would say what they wanted. 
we would exchange back and forth like we're still far off and it'd be over in 15 minutes. I go to lunch and I'd be home. And I and and that's how it would go. It would be very similar to what we're seeing right now with the players and the owners. Except there came a point where the chief of police at the time and probably all the way up the ladder to the sheriff, somewhere way up high, somebody said, this has to be done by the end of the year. We need to know what we're paying this entire unit of people and the back pay for the several years that we're still waiting to catch up on the contract because they were long overdue. We need to know this before the end of the fiscal year, so don't leave the room. And all of a sudden, it became more urgent. All of a sudden, the attorneys on their side wanted to talk more. All of a sudden, with a timetable, we were doing what was happening on Monday when these sides got together, meet and then walk out of the room and have a conversation. And they'd walk someplace else and have a conversation and make a phone call and everybody check in with the people that, you know, do we have enough votes over here? No, no. Do we need to do this? They want this. Can we do it? We'll go off from this. And then we go back in the meeting and we'd exchange ideas again. And we talk about the conversations that we had had with other parties that weren't there. And that's what I saw happening on Monday. We now have the first week of spring training, according to Major League Baseball, not happening. And we're up against the clock to make sure that we open on opening day on time. And we have this urgency. And so now the sides are going to do the thing where they talk and then they have to separate. Because Major League Baseball, those reps, even though there's owners there, they got to walk away and maybe make a phone call to somebody in some town and say, you know that one thing you said you wouldn't budge on? If you budged a little bit, we could get you this instead. That's the idea that just got floated to us. Then they have to have that conversation and walk back into the room. So the fact they were there for hours and the fact that they split off and then came back together, as was reported multiple times, that to me is the most positive thing about Monday. It is the most movement that we've really seen because every time they broke off, That's because something was suggested. And then when they got back together, they either found out if it was something that could be negotiated or if they had to come at it from a different angle. But you weren't waiting three days to have that conversation. It was happening in real time and they were getting back to the table. So that makes me feel good. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. I still feel like midweek next week. Do you think so? Yeah, I think that's about right. I mean, I think you could have... I think you could have something... A, a little bit sooner in terms of them announcing say end of this week that they've got an agreement and principle on everything, but they need to put it in writing. They need to review all the stuff uh, before it's actually signed. I, th- I think the, the interesting question will be 
if they've come to an agreement, is there any chance that the owners will sit there and say, all right, you know what, just to get things moving, we're going to lift the lockout. We're really just waiting for the lawyers to do their lawyer thing so we can sign everything. But we're going to end the lockout so that we can start the baseball process, knowing that this CBA is going to get signed and show some good faith. Well, no, no, hold on a second. Can they do that? Because the lockout was a way of the owners protecting themselves from a strike. So they'd have to be pretty confident that the players wouldn't turn around and say, well, we really don't have something agreed to, and now we're on strike. And then, and then they have all the power. That's the they problem. They can do it. Yeah. They can do it. I just, I don't, I don't know that they necessarily will be, it'll be in their interest to do so. I think they would have to be, they would have to have something, something in writing before they, they lift the lockout and, and really start things up. But I do think you're going to have a lot of players trying to ramp up and, and get themselves baseball ready as much as possible to the extent that they haven't been doing so already. But uh, you might start hearing tell of, you know, teams gathering and things like that sort of informally. And you do kind of wonder if there's going to be some stuff where, Hey, we don't know how, but the Yankees seem to be all on their spring training baseball field together, even though there's no team officials present, you know, we're not sure, we're not sure how they got in, Right. But uh, they do seem to be having some sort of disorganized, organized workout. So, I, you know, you could I guess you could see something like that. But I, I do think, yeah, it, you know, if they come to a, a verbal sort of a verbal agreement by the end of the week, I think you're looking at midweek to next week to get everything signed, lockout lifted, get the players into spring training, um, you know, probably happens somewhere the following week, the start of the following week, and then baseball resumes from there for you know however quickly they can get everything done and and start the season on i think they'll start the season on time but i agree with you it's going to be a little ugly at the start i think you're going to have you know you're going to have guys go through a dead arm period early on in the season i think you're going to have some hitters that are still struggling to get uncorked um i think the rosters are going to be in flux for the first few weeks because teams are going to hurry to get guys on i also do think that there's a possibility you could see the hot stove drift into spring training and drift into the regular season where somebody like Rick Hahn, who's got a lot of work to do to get his roster ready. Uh, he may turn around and still be making moves, you know, in April to try and get everything done that he wanted to get accomplished this off season. You know, the interesting thing about all of this and with the lockout is watching people scramble for something to talk about, Right. Like you and I, I think we've we've found a lot of things to talk about while we're doing this show. We've had the thousand dollar guest bounty, in which we're there, we're really about a week away here for the last of the entries, and then you'll hear those people in in March, and you'll see the entire vote, and we'll find out who ends up with the thousand dollars from Elite Benefits of America. Learn more about how Butch Zemar wants to save your business money and lower insurance costs for the employee and the employer at EliteBenefits.net. But you know, we've been we've been fortunate that we've had things to talk about and discuss. But I, I want to kind of illustrate something uh, that that happened today. We got a tweet in which we were tagged in the tweet. Now, we were the only people that were tagged in the tweet. I'm going to read it because what the person did is they they wrote something longer than what a, a tweet would hold. And then they sent that image to us. Here's the tweet. I think it would be a good topic for the podcast. What are the White Sox going to do to address the innings problem that they'll clearly have with their starting pitchers? Clearly, it doesn't make any sense to pay $10 million plus for a sixth starting pitcher. Kopech will likely not go over 125 innings pitched this year. Keuchel has to be kept under 160 innings pitched or else that last year will vest on his deal. Are they really going to rely upon Lopez and also hope for no other injuries? If they get a sixth starting pitcher, how does that work? 
they aren't going to a six-man rotation. There's a lot to unpack here. Now, that's a nice tweet, and that's something we can talk about, and I have some thoughts on it, and I'm sure you do as well, Ed. But then the funny thing is that within, I would say, 25 minutes of that tweet being sent to us, I counted no less than four different podcast or blog sites that talked about how they were going to be discussing that this week on their show or in a blog. Right, right. People are so starved that they're pulling tweets off of, uh, like, I just did it actually myself by reading it. But I mean, people, like, somebody sent us something and it became an idea for multiple other people to talk about. <laughs> and, and that's how starved it is right now. Like, we need to get to a point where baseball comes back. So, like, I don't even need to answer the question that was sent to us by Sox fan Chris, because if he if he scours White Sox Twitter today and tomorrow, there's probably four or five other entities that are answering his question for him because people are just looking for something to talk about. I will say this, though, just real quick, and I'm curious about what your opinion is, Ed. I think that the White Sox, in a simplistic view, could very easily be saying, well, Kopech is the same as Rodon in terms of the amount of innings we're probably going to get out of him, and we're returning everybody else. We like what we saw out of Reynaldo Lopez, and we don't need to pay $10 million for another arm. We think we can go out and get one here from the pile of arms that are going to be available when that time comes. I don't think they're going out and getting a $10 million plus six starter for this team. You could see a trade for a starting pitcher that doesn't cost that much money. You could also see them go out and get an innings eater. I think that's possible. I don't think it's as complicated, though, as the the tweet kind of suggests or the question suggests, because very simply put, Kopech is Rodan this year in terms of innings. You're not going to get a ton out of him. The only real question is that whole Keiko thing. You don't want him to vest unless, of course, he's on fire. And then if he's on fire, you're going to let him vest. That, that's, what's, that's, and that's something that works itself out as the year goes on. Well, I mean, the Dallas Keiko problem is not a problem if Dallas Keiko is 2020 Dallas Keiko. The problem is, is that last year he was just such a disaster. I mean, there was, there was no redeeming. There's no stat you can look at with Dallas Keuchel last year where you can sit there and say, well, it was just this and this, and if he had not done those two things or if he had tweaked that, he would have been fine because of these underlying numbers. I mean, basically, there was suckitude all up and down his stat line. And he's probably the first to admit that, too. He's not exactly been out there sitting there saying, what are you talking about? I'm great. You know, he's he basically admitted by the end of the season that he felt like he let everybody down. So... If Dallas Keuchel comes back and is a good pitcher, I, I do think that you could see them go almost into a six-man rotation. But I also don't see them, you're right, I don't see them investing a whole lot of money to bring back a six-starting pitcher to go to a six-man rotation when you have Ronaldo Lopez, when you have Dallas Keuchel, both on the team who are, in a sense, starters are long guys. They're not gonna. You're not gonna turn Dallas Keuchel into a short reliever at this point in his career. He just. That's not how he profiles. And I do think though that, you know, one of the one of the answers, the short answer, could be, simply, Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn, and Dylan Cease need to go six every time out instead of five. They just need to be. They need to work deeper. That's how you make up for the innings because, you use less bullpen on the day you're three top three starters your three aces go that's that's how you do it and those guys each one of them looking at the stats uh from last year some of the situational stats you know you watch first inning through the fifth inning things get ugly if they manage the days they managed to get in the sixth and seventh things got better 
but really it's just it's way baseball is now too i i don't think you're going to have a whole lot of teams that are going to have guys that go consistently seven innings and you, you say get an innings eater but i don't know how much those guys exist outside of somebody like dallas keichel who you're gonna have to put up with just lousy numbers to throw them out there i mean you know they'll go they'll go every five days they'll go every six days whatever it is but uh, you know an innings eater at this point i think is code word for yeah he's not very good but he doesn't get hurt Ed, we've reached that time of the year where it snows, there's a blizzard, then it warms up, it all melts, you start to feel like it's spring, you're walking around in shorts and 45 degrees, and then it probably snows again. But that means we're getting close to the beauty of a Southside spring, if you can call it that. And uh, what better place to hang out in the springtime than in Blue Island? Uh, I like to hang out on an island as it's getting warm. Blue Island's the closest thing we have to an island around here. And Double Play Saloon out in Blue Island wants you to stop by. $5 basket lunch specials, $13 Miller and Bud family buckets. And they still have temperature soup, even though it's warming up on those cold days. Pay whatever the temperature is outside for a bowl of soup if it somehow gets below zero. And trust me, you can go from 60 to negative 10 here in the next couple of months. At any given time, that soup would be free. They have a newly remodeled private gaming area. They have a great incredible bar. I mean, big giant bar with all kinds of different setups for you to play darts. It is a darts bar at 13011 Western Avenue in Blue Island. Stop in there the next chance you want to get out to the island. Anyway, I, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Uh, actually, I, I want to get your gut reaction on a couple of pitchers. What do you really think? Because we, we, we've touched on this now, but I want to know your gut reaction. No looking at stats here. Just your okay. feeling on it. Your feeling on these pitchers. I'm going to ask you a question. You tell me what Based your feeling is. Strictly on, them. on my tactile senses of this pitcher. Yes. Right. Your spidey senses. Okay. You let them tingle a little bit. All right. Okay. Things are tingling. <laughs> okay. First off, let's start with Dallas Keuchel. Do you believe Dallas Keuchel is cooked and what you saw last year is what you're getting this year? Or do you believe Dallas Keuchel, who's won a Cy Young, won a World Series, and seems to have taken offense to how he pitched last year, has worked his butt off and is coming in, and he's going to get that one more final thing, like where the light bulb gets bright before it completely goes out, and we're going to get a much better season out of Keuchel than we did last year. Which which one do you think? So this is, you're likening him to a dementia patient that has a moment of clarity before they pass away? Exactly. And then, he, um, and then he looks at Lucas harsh, Giolito man. and calls him mom, and, and you know it's over. Okay? Right, yeah. But hopefully and, and that, hopefully that it happens right. in November and everything's over and they've already hoisted a trophy. Um, yeah, my gut instinct tells me that the days of Dallas Keuchel being what he's being paid to be, that, that former Cy Young winner, World Series champ, are over. Does that mean he doesn't have a place on a team? No, but... I think what you can expect is you can expect him to make adjustments to be marginally better this year, but he is not one of the top three starters on this team, nor is he really anything more than at best a serviceable fifth starter. I, that's, I, I, don't, I don't see him having that much of a renaissance because it would take kind of a massive reinvention of what he does 
And even that, I think, only lasts guys for so long before the league figures them back out and figures out what they're doing different. All right. Was Reynaldo Lopez and what he was able to do after they fixed his eyes, is that real? And he's actually going to come back, be as good and even improve? Is his career back on track? And should we not be panicking about the pitching? Because we've got Raylo and he's going to come out and start being what we thought he was going to be a couple of years ago. Yeah, actually, I, I'm I'm bullish on the I, I like the idea of Ronaldo Lopez being able to have this sort of comeback to his career because one, I do think that eyesight for a pitcher is a very very undervalued skill. Right, um, Ricky Vaughn, Ricky Vaughn, he needed it in Major League. They got him yeah. glasses. He became the wild thing. I mean, and the people are forgetting well, these things. Uh, yeah, the, people forget the '89 Indians. Sorry, Guardians. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, but no, I, I think, I think it is true. I, I do think that, you know, getting eyesight fixed, I know that Ethan Katz was working on his mechanics a little bit too. Uh, I also do think that there's something to be said for Ronaldo Lopez about being under less pressure. He is no longer looked at as a guy who might, you know, he might be the number three or the number two starter on this, on, on the team when it competes and when it's competitive. No, we're looking at him as, as a swing guy out of the bullpen. We're looking at him as maybe a fifth starter I think taking pressure off of a guy like that, having him focus on a couple of things, getting some fixes for, you know, something that's ailing him. Those are all things that when a guy is young enough and still has his fastball, which he still does very much. So still has, you know, the action on his slider still has the ability to maybe learn something new and develop a third pitch that can be effective because he has the physical talent. You can turn a guy like that into something good useful, if not return back to, you know, the promise that he showed initially after the trade. All right. So I, I'm going to ask a two-part question here because I want to see if I'm right about how you will view these pitchers. Gut feeling on them, okay? All right. Opening day between all the pitchers available to the White Sox right now, coming out of spring training, which is likely going to be shortened, give me your opening day starting five from ace down to number five. All right, so in in order that they appear on opening day. On opening day, let's say if you were told like you were setting up like a video game, right? Where it was your best yeah. pitchers, your one, your two, your three, your four, your five. So you're going to rank your pitchers one through five. Not trying to figure out who should be pitching opening day because they earned it or anything else like that. Give me your best pitcher as your one, your your fifth best pitcher as your five. Fill them in that way. As of opening day, how do you think it would rank coming out of spring training? All right, so coming out of spring training, I think it's Giolito, Lynn, Cease, Kopech, and then Keuchel or Ronaldo Lopez. I, okay. and, and I would actually, I would, I'd probably put, based on our my previous statements, no surprise that Ronaldo Lopez right now, for me, would rank above Keuchel. Okay, so you're, you're like, if I were running this team, if everybody does exactly what I think they're going to do, Raylo's my fifth starter, and I don't know what I'm doing with Dallas Keuchel. That's, that's interesting. So now let's get to the end of the year. End of the year, barring any additions to this team, how do you think it ends? Like, I'm thinking, like, let's say, you you know, you, you're like, hey, beginning of the season, I expect Lance Lynn to be great. But does he fall off like he did a little bit at the back end of last season? Like, where do, the, do your rankings change at all in your mind at the end of the year? Do you believe that somebody leapfrogs somebody or somebody falls back after we go through 162 games when we get to the postseason? Well, so if if things are going like a video game where you you know 
hey, this guy earned experience points and now you've been able to upgrade him, you know, something <laughs> like that, then yes, in theory, it should be Giolito still at the top. Cease should probably leapfrog Lance Lynn, who at 34 years old, you would expect to have some ups and downs and potentially at the end of the season be a little bit more worn out than he would have been a couple of years ago. Also, that Cease, based on the fact that he is on the upswing in theory, should have surpassed him. You could have Michael Kopech actually surpass Lance Lynn as now, well. Now, remember, he's going to be worn out. This is going to be the most he's ever pitched, okay, for the not, White Sox. Not questioning the fact that, that Kopech has the, the innings limitation. I'm just saying if it's handled, if it's handled the right way, you could have Kopech establish himself and in theory, be somebody that you would trust a little bit more in a, in a one game situation than, you know, maybe Dylan Cease. Okay. So I, I think when you're talking about young guys, you're asking them to figure it out. And when you're talking about a guy like Lance Lynn, you're asking them to hold on. But at the end of the season, I, I think if things go well, if everybody is healthy, if there are no additions to the team, then I do think you still have the potential for this team to have Giolito at the top I think Lance Lynn can hold off the young guys, but I do think Cease and Kopech, it'll be a you know a race for those two to see who who improves the most in the starting role. Cease having the inside track because he's been doing it. Kopech having you know the, the same amount of pedigree, but but obviously we don't know what he is at this point. And you know I I don't think you're going to have like Jonathan Stever as a surprise number two all of a sudden or somebody come out of the woodwork. I don't think that they have somebody quite that exciting. But I do think that when you talk about the back end of the, the rotation, there is the possibility that you could have, you know, Lopez really figure something out. Or you could have somebody like Stever or somebody like Lambert who, you know, establishes themselves a little bit more in the role and maybe does become someone that, that you have a little bit more faith in because Lopez was now in the Kopech role and more useful out of the bullpen as a multi-inning reliever, something like that. So there's a lot that can go on at the back end, but I think those top four, I think what you're looking at is you're looking at really Lance Lynn not to fall off is what you're hoping for. So if all things go right, I think he stays at the number two spot with those two guys nipping at his heels. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. Dallas Keuchel is going to come out and have an incredible year and you're going to look silly. I, I believe it. I <laughs> And I was one. I was one of the first guys that sat there and said, "Don't put him on the playoff team." I was disgusted with him all last year. I just look at that guy and I think to myself that he's like, "There's no way that I'm not vesting." And the only way I'm doing it is if I could pitch 160 innings. And he's pitching for money. I, I think it makes a difference. I think when guys are pitching for money, they get better. I think when guys are pitching for contracts, they get better. They may hurt themselves in the long run because they're they're pushing a little bit. But I expect Dallas Keuchel to come out at the beginning of the year and at least for the first half of the season be like, ooh, where was this guy last year? I don't know if it lasts the entire season, but I think that's possible. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.